Good morning, Discovery. I heard that random clap in the back. It's like, should we clap or not? That was good. You, you clap. You clap. You lead the way. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, there you go. <laughs> hey, good morning, Discovery. Uh, my name is Antonio Reyes, and I, um, I have the opportunity to be part of the Pastor team in this, in this beautiful community, and I'm so glad that I, I get to share this morning with you. Uh, for the ones that really uh, been coming, we're going to continue this conversation on exiles and We've been going through this book in the Bible called Ephesians. If this is your first time, we want to welcome you. Hopefully you feel that you find a family, that you a place that you can belong, that you can be part of it. And uh, what we have crickets in the back, you know, that's part of the white noise that we like to add into the ambience of, of our community. Uh, so do not, do not let that distract you. But um, uh, also we just want to make sure that we, uh, we communicate with you. Today we have Family Sunday. And uh, we are going to have a conversation that is in a portion of, a, of, of this scripture, you know. It might touch a little a conversation that I, I don't like to have it for the parents, you know. And, and, and I just want to, you know, be upfront with you, you know. It's going to be a little bit of, of a tough conversation. And, and you will notice when, what I'm talking about when I say this. And I'm going tr to try to be thoughtful. I'm going to try to uh, edit this vocabulary and this language as much as I can. So for the kiddos, but I just want to, I want you to be aware of this, okay? So for the ones who have their Bibles, why don't you go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have it, we're going to have it in the screen. And, and we're going to go through this whole portion of uh, the, the, the scripture. And I'm going to be, I'm, I'm be, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm going to be all over the place. For the ones who, who want to do ABAC today, it's not your day. I'm going to mess you up today. You're going to feel it inside of you like, ah, can you just... Not today. Today I'm going to be all over the place. Hopefully that I can make sense and want what I'm trying to communicate. So go with me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this. Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear, dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He love us and offer himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, this are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greed person will inherit the kingdom of God, of Christ, and of God. For a greed person is an adulterer, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled. By those who try to excuse his sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey God. I mean, disobey him. Don't participate in, the, in these things people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have life from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and truth. What a fun chapter I, had, I get to speak today. Look, as we were singing this, this song, and this is the way I want to set this up. We were singing that God fights for us. And I want you to understand this. A couple years ago, I was hearing one of my favorite communicators saying that the only way God will go to war is to bring everything back to peace. And I want you to know this, that God is fighting for you, for you, not against you you. That if God goes to war for your own heart, it's because he wants to bring everything back 
into peace in your own life. So today, as we jump into this portion, one of the things I want to read specifically at the beginning of this chapter. And I love how the Passion Translation says it. Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as his beloved sons and daughters. And continue to walk and surrender to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. You know, one of the things, friends, I want to do is to pray before we jump in. More for me than for you, actually. <laughs> I'll be honest. If you feel comfortable, can you close your eyes for a moment? God, we're so grateful that we get to be here this morning. Prepare our hearts to have this conversation. That we can hear your voice, that you're for us, that your love is for us. That whatever it is, God, you're fighting for us, not against us. And let us have insight of your heart right now this morning, God. We ask you this in your beautiful name, Jesus and Discovery says, amen and amen. Friends, one of the things that I have discovered in my relationship with, with my wife is this. Is that... When we go to Six Flags uh, or any of these places where they have rides, the word fun means two different things for my wife and for me. I'll tell you this right now. Yeah, two different things. You know, my wife is the type of person that loves to jump into the rides and loves to jump into those things. And I'm just not that person. I'm the person that goes and is just walking around the park, just watching everybody have fun. Hopefully I can find something to eat. I'm that person. Yep, yep, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'll tell you this right now. But, but see, the thing is that I have discovered with my wife is that my wife is not trustworthy with my life. No way. I cannot trust her with my life in a place like that. You know, the beginning stages of me trying to, you know, conquer her heart and, and capture my wife's soul, you know, with being bold with things. Behind me, I was very a coward in that space. But the reality, I was not going to show that. So... We went to this place in San Jose, and I remember when this, to, there were way too many rides, and I remember she told me, hey, you want to jump in with me in this? It's going to be fun. Yes, sure. You know, I'm trying to be bold. Inside of me, I'm dying, you know. And she makes me go up, and this thing, it's like a snake, and it just goes and twists and goes back and forth. I do not remember nothing at that moment. My soul left my heart my body in that moment. I was just yelling, hoping that that thing would end at one point. You know the worst thing is that she knew that I couldn't handle that because she already had an experience with me before. She, she knew that before I, tr I actually jump into this, this ride and I almost pass out on that thing. But then later on, she invites me to, to jump into this ride. She knew better. At that moment, I knew this woman is not, I cannot trust her with my life. She has no care for my own soul. If I'm going to die, if I'm going to pass out, if I, I'm anxious in this thing. So the word fun was two different words for us. And I was like, you're not trustworthy. I need to figure something out how to like get your attention, girl, because me putting me out there is not going to work. I'm going to have trauma as I grow up with you. So I noticed that she was not trustworthy in those spaces. And every time that we go to in any of those places and down, she tells me, show me your love by jumping in. I was like, nope. I'll show you my love by doing other things, but not this. You're not going to get me like this again. 
I cannot trust you with my life. See, one of the things that I noticed that the way Paul sets up this, this conversation is by saying, I want you to know how much God loves you. And not just loves you, that you can trust his love because he gave himself for you. You best believe if someone gives himself for me, you got my attention. Whatever it is. And Paul is trying to let us know, before we jump into a complicated conversation, I want you to know this. The way this thing is set up is that I want you to know that he loves you, he cares for you, and he is trustworthy. Can I tell you, and I'll be honest, in the culture that we live now, trustworthiness is a rare commodity now. For a culture that we brag about, that we pursue truth, that we love truth, we display very low sense of trustworthiness. We don't, we don't trust just anyone with our future and our kids' future and anything else. We, we're, we hesitate about those things in our current culture. But we brag that we have truth, that we pursue truth, but we display very low sense of trustworthiness with anyone. I know that this is not a pleasant chapter. I'm going to be honest with you since it's the beginning. But it's needed. It is needed because sometimes tough conversations need to happen. And I understand that for some of us, tough, we avoid tough conversations. For my peacemakers, we avoid conversations, those type of conversations all day, every day. I hate them. Trust me. James is with me. But I have come to understand that there's beauty coming out of that complexity. That is needed. If I want to grow, it's needed for me. And I notice that for when I engage in these complicated conversations, when I know that the other person loves me and cares for me, the posture of my heart changes when I engage in this conversation. Because I have come to understand that if he cares for me and he loves me, that, that, that whatever he's going to communicate or she's going to communicate is for me, not against me. It's because that person doesn't want me to live a lesser life than what I was created to live. So when I, have to when I come to understand that Paul is trying to let us know, before we jump into the complicated things, I want you to have in mind how much you are loved and how much he cares for you. And that he's trustworthy with the tough conversations in your life. See, he jumps in in verse 3, right? No, the, let there be no sexual morality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talks, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. I want you to understand something before we touch some of these things. Is that for us... And I don't think this is a rare language for us. Shalom, right? Wholeness. Making things right. One of the beautiful, uh, most beautiful definitions for me is uh, I found it in the Bible Project for the ones who actually watch YouTube. It's a great tool. Life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. When one of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. When someone is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. So I have come to understand that whatever threads 
or anything that wants to go against our shalom, God would address it. Because he cares as much as our shalom with God as much as he cares for our shalom with each other. So anything that threads that right relationship with each other, he would engage in that conversation because he, he wants to engage with that thing that is destroying what really matters. Shalom. Our connection. Whatever, anything that threads our connection, our relationship, our intimacy with others, he would try to get rid of it. And this is important, family, because if we are a community that wants to participate in God's mission to bring unity among everything around us, we need to be conscious and aware and pay attention that what we do with every aspect of our lives matters. And in this case, what Paul is saying, what you do with your body matters. What you do, what, what, what you say and don't say matters. The content of your heart and what moves you and motivates you matters see one of the things that I am uh, I remember when I was playing soccer at 16 17 years old I, I had the beautiful opportunity to play professional soccer and when I was 16 I remember it was great but now looking back I'm looking at my life and I'm like I had an awful nutrition friends I eat horrible for being a professional soccer player I'm like this is, I would eat like 10 tacos before a game. I was like, I have no problem. A bunch of chips and random stuff. I, I just, it was very bad. Horrible nutrition. And I remember that I was like, how do I survive through that process? Like, it was horrible. Years later that I, I look back, you know, I have one of my friend's um, kid is playing in L.A. And, and this kid, his lifestyle. He's seven, 16, 17 years old. He's left his diet. How many times he trains in the day? What did he do? And anything. He trains for like, I don't know, for all kinds of stuff. He has like four, tra four trainings and practices a day. I'm like, what do you do for speed, for resilience, for not going crazy? I don't know. Like, it's just all kinds of trainings. And the lifestyle of this kid is insane. And I look back and I'm like, I don't remember doing not even half of what you do, kid. And I noticed that, some, that, that for the ones who play sports, you understand that there's a point where a skill and ability is not enough. What, what you do with your body and your diet in a holistic way in every aspect of your life would affect your performance. And your performance would affect your outcome. So every, you need to pay more attention and be attentive to other aspects of your life to be more effective as an athlete if you want to play a higher level. And this is what I have come to understand in my own relationship with God. Not in the performance piece, but that if you, if you want to experience the depths of the reality of God, if we want to go deeper with God and we want to explore, explore and experience his fullness around us, is that we have to be attentive and intentional with every aspect of our lives. This part of sexual immorality is a tough one. I'll tell you this. I, we need to understand something, friends, is that these people were raised in a culture and educated in a culture where it was moved by this God of Diana, right? We talk about her, the God of fertility. And that the way that we worship this God, it was in a collective intimacy, if you know what I mean. 
They weren't going crazy. And not just, not just that. At another layer, the Romans were crazy too. They make us look like saints. So I want you to understand something. That to them, that was just normal. But the problem with that activity and that way of actually engaging in that aspect of their lives is that they, they would be personalized people. They will use them as tools. And this aspect right here, Paul is saying, in 2022 in Davis, California, let me tell you this. He's saying, in the moment you allow, in the moment that you allow your sexual appetite to only use people for pleasure without any concern, without any caring, without any responsibility, without any commitment, you're missing the point of why God created what he created. And this, friends, distorts your shalom with each other. And it's a killer of intimacy. Kills intimacy, friends. He keeps going. He says, there's another aspect that I want to tap. The content of your heart. Your greediness. See, greediness is this idea of cons a consuming desire to possess more than others. Regardless of actual needs. See, ingredients is not only connected to wealth or material things, friends. Greediness is this aspect when you see other people as your competition, that you want to have more than someone else. I want a better position than someone else. I want to have more education and a better degree than someone else. I want, to, I want to have a better house than someone else. I want to have more knowledge and more insight than someone else. I want to have better opportunities than someone else. You start seeing everyone else as a competition and that, my friends, is greediness. Paul goes as far as saying, that's idolatry, friends. And the reason why I believe that's, that's important to, to, to point out is because we have to remember something. The gods back then, they were looked as source of what they needed, right? If they needed rain, the gods. If they needed sun, they would go to the gods. If they needed to win a war, they would go to the gods. And they would come and bring sacrifices to get what they wanted from them. They will become the source of what they wanted. But the problem with this thing is that for God, it's like you're looking in the wrong source. You think if you obtain what you wanted, it's going to make you happy and whole. But that's not what I'm trying to give you. Greediness, friends. The problem with greediness, too, is that it's the wrong motivation and the wrong, and the wrong drive. Because for some of us, we're willing to compromise relationship and people to achieve what we want. No matter what we, the calamity damage around us. As long as I can get what I want and I can be better than everybody else. And friends, this distorts your shalom and it kills intimacy with others. And lastly... He goes to obscene stories, foolish talk. And I know that some of us, we're like, yes, it's talking about cursing and bad words. Uh, nah. Nah, not really, friends. You know what I came to experience when I was, when I just came to Christianity is, we're not so good at speaking life into other people. Many times. You know, my mom doesn't consider herself part of, Christianity. She, she, she does her own thing, you know, but she's been around Christians because of me. And one of the things that she have experienced with some people is that 
the only content of conversations among Christian people sometimes is talking about other people. And she's scared for me. She doesn't even believe in it, but she's scared for me. She's like, don't do dumb things around them because they're just going to talk about you. Why are we known by that to begin with? Why are we known by talking bad about other people, by not caring for other people? I just wonder why instead of being known by those things, what are, are not, I want to be known by, by creating new language of what it means to experience the divine. What it means to, to, to love people and love God. Why, why is the other people creating language for, for spiritual experiences and we're the ones connecting to the source? We're just scared of that language. We're just scared of creating language and what God is trying to do with us. Why is that other people are creating language for that nuance in conversations and we don't do nothing? What if we actually know by the, the type of people that come into the room and elevate people, elevate their room, that you bring so much wisdom and insight and empathy that you elevate every room that you come in? What if we actually create a nuance in the human experience because you're in such a synergy with God that he gives you insight about anything else around you. That you become a visionary in a room. That you can bring reconciliation in a room. Why are not known by those things? See, I believe that what Paul is trying to talk about right here, remember later on he talks about you have to be the light in those spaces. Can our words become such a thing that brings light in every, in every space? And I understand the lie brings the negative things. I understand the lie brings all the bad things. But also, can I just add something? It also brings the beauty in things. It brings wonder of things. So I believe, friends, that this, when we choose to not care about what we speak and what we communicate, this is a killer of intimacy, friends. This source or shalom. See, we keep going with a conversation, that I'm, and I'm almost done, I promise. I'm, I promise. There's this moment, friends. Paul talks about it. In verse 10, he says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in this wordless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is a secret. But their evil intention would be exposed when the lie shines on them. The interesting thing about this conversation is that we have made it about us against them. And it's not that. This conversation is more about me focus. He's calling them out. He's calling them to a higher level. Where, where what you rep, your representation is important and it matters. Can we live a type of life that is more than just avoiding sin and negative things and avoiding things? Can we live a different type of life, friends? How do we do this? Great question. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out myself too. Welcome to the club. But I know this. I know this. That when these tough conversations happen, friends, and I'm going to ask the band to come. When this type of conversations happen, friends, love needs to travel faster than the truth. 
Let me repeat that again. Love needs to travel faster than truth. See, I have come to understand in my own relationship with my wife, and for the ones that are married, would understand this a little bit more. And is that it doesn't matter how right I am and how wrong she is. If I'm trying to engage in a conversation with her, and if my position is I'm going to show her how wrong she is, even if I win, I lose. Because I'm fighting for myself, not fighting for each other. My job is to fight for each other. Love needs to travel faster than truth. When I'm engaging in a conversation with my wife, I need to understand, am I coming, which is my desire to, to be authoritative? Or with love up front, understanding that I'm fighting for our marriage, not just for myself. Friends, what would happen if people will feel that from us? That we're fighting for each other. That we're not against each other. There's a moment at, towards the end that Paul brings this. Many people said it's a song, a poem. We don't really don't know. In verse 14 he says, For the light makes everything visible. This is why it's, it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead. And Christ will give you light. I remember the first time I got invited to go to the Grand Canyon. I was coming from a camp in Arizona and my friends wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. And, and I remember I was tired, I was exhausted. I, I really didn't want to go, friends. And I, and, I, and I was telling him, what is so great about a hole in the desert? I was like, I don't want to go. They were like, no, you have to go. You have to see it for yourself. Whatever. Let's go. And I remember this. The invitation was never, hear me out. The invitation was never. We're going to go to see this hole in the, in, in the desert. And we're going to avoid crushing against cars and animals that can come across us. And once we get there, we have to pay. And once we pay, we have to stand in the heat or the cold to watch this hole in the middle. But you're going to love it. And just be careful when there's any animals and snakes around it. But you're going to love it. That was not the invitation. I remember when I got into that place. It was a weird experience to me. It was like I was afraid and amazed at the same time. That the only way I can describe it was like a sacred moment in that moment. I just couldn't describe what I felt to see that in front of me. I had experienced it for my own self. Remember, the invitation wasn't like you have to do all these things and you, da, 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 so you can see this thing. No, 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 no. We want to take you, you, you can actually experience it yourself. So why is that when it comes to Jesus, we have to add all these rules. You have to believe this, you have to believe that, you have to act this way, you have to behave this way, you have to have this position politically, you have to think this way. Why? We kill the wonder of Jesus. 
and who Jesus is. Friends, when he goes through this song at the end of poem, whatever it is, awake, oh sleeper. I don't know if he's referring to other people, but I, I'll tell you this, friend. I ask myself, am I awake or am I asleep? Before I try to take someone else and bring it back to Jesus, am I awake or am I asleep? Am I living a life that is aware of God moving around me or am I asleep? Do I care of what I say and I don't say? Do I care what I do with my body or I don't? Do I care on the content of my own soul and my own heart? Do I care for that? Am I awake or am I asleep? Friends, can we live a type of life that we can become avenues and channels of hope and wonder and mystery and fascination for the ways of Jesus? Where people can be astonished by who he is. See, can I, the only reason I'm able to believe in the beauty of marriage is because I've seen it with other people. The only reason I believe in the beauty of being a man is because I've seen it in another man that you can be healthy. I've seen it in other people. What if people do not need more Bible verses? They just need you to see your life. And period. Can you live this thing out? Can you, can, are you trustworthy? Do you love me? Do you care for me? I don't care if you know all Leviticus. Do you care for me? Can I trust you with my life? Because if I trust you with my life, I'm willing to go with you to see this Jesus. I know that I said I was going to close. I promise I close with this. A couple of years, my wife and I, we met this group of brothers. Um, they grew up in church, and they were just walking away from church at this point. Kind people, beautiful people. I never seen someone mobilize so many youth in, in my life. He just has such an influence around people. And he was on his way out to ch from church. And he was bringing a lot of his youth with him because they love him and he loved them. And it was a good relationship, but they were walking away from church. And they came across our church community in, in Long Beach. And they start coming in. And I remember they had a lot of questions. They did. Start coming in and start inviting us to their dinners and parties and all those things and my wife and I would show up one day after many times that we hang out with them and we build a good relationship with them he had all his friends and his brothers in, in the backyard after a Super Bowl I remember and I remember that it was maybe like 15 20 of them it was only Gavin myself and all of a sudden they start asking us tough questions friends and when I'm telling you tough questions I was like Lord I don't know how I'm going to get out of this Gabby was talking to, to, to 10 people on the table I was talking to another group over here and they were just, we looking at each other like come save me like do something with Gabby but what we end up they trusted us with the questions that they had 
They trusted us that we care for them. And for Elise, the thing that we could do is that they knew that there was someone that cared for them, a church community that cared for them. And they were willing to engage in the complexity of their lives and they were for them and not against them. Guess what? To this day, we talk to them. All these kids were so gifted, so creative. And I remember being in that day, it was like a sacred moment, friends. That they allow us to come into their own soul with their own doubts, their own complexity, their own challenges. And we got to be the light. You just need to step out of your comfort zone. It's going to be uncomfortable, friends. But you need to. That's my invitation to you this morning. God is fighting for you. And yes, what you do with your body, what you do, what you communicate, and the content of your heart matters. It does. But he's for you, friends. He's fighting for you. So can you step up with me this morning? I want to pray for you. We're going to, talk, we're going to take a moment after this take communion the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus that he's trustworthy that we can trust him with the complications of our lives the questions even with this conversation that we feel uncomfortable saying I don't know about it trust Jesus with it say Jesus I just don't know what to do with this trust me he's trustworthy that he give his life for us this is what we do in this moment. We pause. We allow worship to embrace us. And we remember what Jesus did for humanity. For you and for me this morning. We have different stations around the room. And my invitation is that you can come and get one of these little cups. And just let yourself go. Let your heart be invested in this moment. And be present in this moment as we close this gathering.